They say wisdom comes with age. But I'm proving otherwise. What, girl, what? Okay. That'll make no sense. Not a, not a lick of sense. Um, okay, yes. So, Crystal, you are the youngest in the group. It took me about four or five listens to this tagline to understand that it's meant to imply that the other women are... Um, <laughs> okay, I can't even get through this. I, I didn't know it was shade because I... T- what it says... I'm not even going to say what I thought. What is being communicated is I'm getting dumber as I get older. That's what I... If wisdom comes with age and you're proving it wrong, but you as a living, breathing, autonomous child of God with an expiration date of mortality, as we all do, are getting older and you're disproving that. You see, that's why age shaming doesn't work. It never works because if everything works out, you're going to get older one day, too. That's that's the whole that's the thing. That's like the goal. So, however, I fully understand uh, her wanting to have a little clap back in her tagline to these the other ladies because they, they gave her a hard time. And we'll get into it. And I said what I said. I'm on Team Crystal. Fight me. OK, welcome back to Cake and Kombucha, the Bravo, Bravo, effing Bravo reboot. I hope you're enjoying the pod's return so far and my little recap jam sessions. And I'm going to be putting out so many more. We have so many things to look forward to. I'm going to have my resident expert on Igbo culture come on to discuss the intense tribal conflict on RHOP. It goes deep. These things that are being alleged in the... uh, in the previews, the trailers that I've seen so far, I want to give you guys some context for them. But it's suffice to say I'm absolutely gagged and stunned. And I wish my father were alive to see Nigerians just being completely trashy on reality TV. It's like it's like the, the true mark of assimilation. Like we are like fully American now. Okay, without further shade ado, let's get into Real Housewives of... In this town, Beverly Hills. Okay, so we open up with this terrible, weird song. She my best buddy. She my cutty buddy. Eh, eh, eh. Drop it, pet the puss. What? I haven't heard the song Cut Buddy. I haven't heard the phrase Cut Buddy in a long time. Since like 2006. And was it, it was, that's my cut buddy. Or was it, cut? I don't know, cutty buddy I feel like is, Akin to how people are saying, this is so slay. What? All right, moving on. Welcome to your picnic. We have a nice little English tea picnic with traditional offerings like champagne. Erica arrives and Dorit and Erica hug. Dorit is, you know, she's the host for this event. She's apparently trying to broker some sort of Friendship agreement slash retrospective on what happened with Eagle Woman. Um, They're both wearing black with giant shades. And it's actually hilarious to have a sincere uh, conversation when you are dressed up like a bug and you can't see each other's pupils. That's the best type of reconciliation, if you ask me. Dorit, I was surprised. Pies, you you didn't lead with an apology. You you got there eventually. 
what I did had a great fallout. Just know that it popped into my head and I sold it on the stage because I am the greatest showman that ever lived. And I will do whatever I can to make this right because you mean a lot to me and I have to fix it. I have to. I have to. I have to. I have to. You're a good friend and I don't want this pain anymore. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. It's non-negotiable to me. You know how much I love my husband. Oh God, Dari, like we just launched back into this again. You don't have to preface things with you know how much I love him. If you're having problems and you decide you want to air them out on national television, just do it. Just do it. We know why you're doing it. You know how much I love my husband. He was spending a lot of time in London and it was the year I needed him the most. What you said would have hurt me anyway, but it hurt more. Yeah, it hurt more. It was worse because it was true is basically what you're saying. So that means that it hurt extra bad when Erica was like, Dorit, is your marriage strong? <laughs> um, and then in the confessional, Erica said, well, if I'd known what I, if I'd known that, I would have, I would have ruined somebody else's life. <laughs> she just wants to be this villain and everyone's going to let her, but I, I don't, I don't take her serious. I'm not scared of not studying you, not ruin nobody's life. All right. And so then Dorit has her, I don't think she had a proper monologue last episode. Um, so she gets to deliver her monologue and here it goes. I've always been the girl that soldiers on. That's who I am. That's who PK knows. Like after he pretended he was rich and allergic to potato chips, but instead he's poor and he double fists them by the pound. I've always soldiered on. Lax Christmas was 14 months after the home invasion. I took $10,000 out of the ATM and I put it in my bag to take in my time machine and buy gifts from a street bazaar in 1776 before the invention of credit. But by the time I got to the cash register, my back was gone. The whole year in my marriage and my life was like this. Uh, the police reviewed the video surveillance and saw I was followed by three Teletubbies, which threw me into PTSD. So that's new information. She took $10,000 out of an ATM to buy gifts for Christmas, which she literally just rolled off her tongue like, as you do. And then it got stolen because men followed her. That is scary. But look, I don't. Even just because this is the United States, I don't I don't know any country that it's um it's advisable to withdraw ten thousand dollars from an ATM. Moreover, can you withdraw ten thousand dollars? I thought the limit was like five thousand because they don't even have cash in certain machines. I don't know. I don't use cash. I've been in I've been in a mission to abolish cash for the past twenty years. I don't really I don't really believe in it. I think we should be virtual anyway, um, because money is an imaginary concept. Then Erica says humbly, I need to work on this friendship because I want to be a real girl. I want to learn what emotions and feelings are. And maybe if you snap your fingers three times and say, I do believe it, Erica. I do. I no, just kidding. She says, I need to work on this friendship because I don't have many. Wow, what? 
Uh, an endorsement. That makes me, as your friend, feel so valued, so special. It makes me feel like you just individually connect to the the very unique offerings that I bring when you tell me that you need to work on this friendship because you don't have many. Now, I, to be ch- if I could, was being charitable, I guess she, there's a world in which she could be saying, you know, I am going to put forth an effort to work because I I mess things up and I I know that about myself and like you're important to me. But that's really not what she said. So moving on. Sutton and Avi, <laughs> are you going to have a drink? It's 530. I'm going to call Garcelle real quick. So she calls Garcelle and they talk about how they're planning a little birthday trip to Vegas for Crystal so she can pull the stick out of her ass. It's always great when people's uh, birthday gift to you is predicated upon you acting differently than you normally would because nobody respects your boundaries and they think you're boring. Great. Um, So I think... Oh, yeah. Then Sutton alludes to, you know, wanting things to be okay with Crystal, which I kind of don't know how real that is because I don't know. It's funny. Even back in 2020, when all the uh, things were happening and the shakeups on Bravo and everyone was carrying, carrying out and losing their minds and people were like, hey, what if there were black people in some of these cities like New York? Um they, I had read that wasn't it was like Vanity Fair, some big trade, and it seemed like Crystal Garcelle and Sutton were friends, and they were talking about how they'd made up and everything. So I never really fully understand where Crystal and Sutton stand, but then it flashes back to Sutton saying, "I said nothing wrong. I said nothing wrong." Oh, I don't miss that. It was two seasons of policing's Crystal's language because what you will find as a minority in this country that it's really far more important for people to be able to say that they're not racist to their friends and charity boards than to actually not say offensive, ignorant things. I want to remind everyone who thinks that Crystal was exaggerating that we saw Sutton on camera compare having an accent to racism, to receiving racism. Okay? So if she said that on camera, what other kind of weird microaggressions do you think she was tossing around elsewhere? And then she also said she doesn't see color. And then and Crystal said, are you that girl? Are you going to be that girl? So I think it's just real funny that when Crystal shows any sort of, you know, bite back, you know, sarcasm, whatever, whatever's her way of showing displeasure, whatever her, her way is of, you know, getting at you, everyone is just completely mortified. And then when she shuts down and withdraws emotionally, she's boring. She's got the stick out of her ass. Da, 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 da. And the last thing I'll say is Garcelle, look. I don't really, I want to be really clear. Also, just because you are friends with a minority doesn't mean you didn't do anything wrong. And I think it's really important to hear that. Everyone has different standards of what they will tolerate. We see later in this scene that Garcelle and Sutton have this good bond over being single moms. They kick it together. They have a good time. Garcelle is a different generation. You know, I personally, I probably have a lower threshold for bullshit than Garcelle does. She had to, 
you know, she had to grow up in an industry where there was just, you know, very few of her. And, you know, I'm sure that if she discarded every single person that ever said something that wasn't politic, you know, in Hollywood, she would have no one. Okay. I just, I, I, I acknowledge as, you know, a millennial that it is a privilege for me to grow up with friends who are not black, who have, you know, a social justice grounding, education. And even if some people were not really quite, you know, they didn't have all their shit together before 2020, they made an effort to read some books afterwards once it was brought to their attention. It's really nice to be able to pick and choose, you know, who you want to be friends with, who you hang out with, whose values. And I just, uh, just because Sutton and Garcelle are friends, doesn't mean that Garcelle doesn't roll her eyes at Sutton sometimes behind her back. And it, it doesn't mitigate Crystal's opinions. So also Sutton, like there was someone who came online, um, a friend of Sutton's daughter and mentioned that she was in the pool and Sutton started talking about like, I don't know, adopting Asian children and misidentifying her country. Like it was just apparently really cringe. I think cringe is maybe what Crystal could have said, but I want to emphasize that it's completely misguided to focus on her word choice because the specter hanging on everyone's head was did Sutton say the N word. And I'm going to say this. I can't remember if I've said it again, but no, I don't think I've said this on, on camp, not on camera. What are we on? Whatever. I don't think I've said this on the, on the pod yet, but it's like, the focus on the N-word is extremely, I don't even have a good vocabulary for that right now, but it's just like missing the forest for the trees. So you could really tell that everyone was riled up and same thing with Kathy. They just wanted to know, like, did she say certain slurs? And it's like, that's not the measure of whether someone is being offensive. And it's often not the thing as we, the slurred upon, you know, care about the most. It's, it's like, it's sometimes great when someone calls you a slur. Great. I know where you stand. What's not great is when you smile in my face and then you push my application to the side or you try to offer me less pay or you tell me that the apartment is rented out, but then I send my white friend over and you then offer to give her a tour. Like these are the things that matter more. But it's just so annoying when it's very surface and it's like, oh, what does she say? I'm, I'm, I'm not like, I just think those are like very serious allegations. Like, shut up. Shut up. This is all about just who can like appear to be the most moral and, and then, you know, have Jamie Lee Curtis come and sell wind chimes for toothless, not homeless, homeless, not toothless, whatever. Okay, so that's what I'm going to go into on that but I imagine it might come up later this season and we'll keep interrogating it um if I got anything chronologically wrong or don't remember something from 2020 get at me in the dms I'm trying to engage with you I'm trying to I might start saying stuff wrong just so you interact with me okay anyway then matchmaker Barbie arrives and her voice is extremely high oh my god I love the pink we're both in pink you're in completely different shades of pink. They're not related. These the shades of pink. One is magenta. One is like a very like baby pink. They don't even, they would even like clash if they were, if you use them together for dick. It's, it's not the same thing. 
So then Sutton in her confessional says, Alessandra, it's matchmaker Barbie, is my only hope. She's like my Obi-Wan Kenobi. Girl, we know there's no one else named Obi-Wan. Oh. I've been divorced for seven years. I've been doing this for seven years. I don't get us out a second time. I don't tend to click with people. I need help. All right. Sure. Uh, then, you know, we're talking to uh, Alessandra again. We're back at Sun's house and Sun says, I can be slightly intimidating. Uh, my intellect is superior to most. Don't use the word superior. I just don't want to hear that. Um, the word superior with your accent. Uh, and also, I wouldn't get it twisted that I don't know if your intellect is superior to most because you got through the LA Times article about Erica and your friends didn't. I think it might be who you hang out with. Plus, I think that your weirdness is definitely, it definitely supersedes. It's definitely like the first, the first floral note um, is that you're very strange. Um, oh, she also says, uh, I, I don't dress sluttily. Ah, I, I might get nervous and act strangely. Then they flash back to her pitiful date last season where she wore a cat sweater and said, she started talking about her neuropathy and she said, my foot is itching because I have neuropathy. (laughs) Oh my God. The matchmaker says, what's your hobby? Sutton says, telling people what to do. Okay. Again, I, I just want you to sound less like you grew up on a plantation at this point. It's making me a little itchy. I'm just a little like ding, ding, ding. Get out. This is my time to leave. What's your ideal partner? Tall, handsome, graduated from college. We'll talk about the wealth part later. Okay. I mean, I I would like to think there's a certain amount of wealth where you don't need your man to be wealthy too. Are you concerned that $300,000 a month isn't going to cover your expenses for like travel and food? Um, I get you don't, you know, I get you maybe don't want to date someone who's like making like 50K, but... Do you expect the person to have as much money as you if you're already that rich? Just, I don't know. I And I again, I of course, I know there are reasons why you might want to, you know, head off men being intimidated at the past by just dating people that make more money than you. But whew, girl, after last week's revelations, that's a that's a tall order. OK, so then as if we're in a parallel universe where it has anything to do with what Sutton has just said about what she wants. Alessandra, matchmaker Barbie, matchmaker Barbie, whose hair has been pulled on, put in the trash can. Cause that's where she belongs after this, for this statement. I'm a big believer in letting the man lead. Um, okay. What, what is that? Sutton says, I don't want a man to lead. And Alessandra says, you won't, you won't let the man lead, lead me where? What are you talking about? Like, what kind of matchmaker are you? You're the most, one of the most successful matchmakers in LA is, is it just because you tell the women to have no personalities and just do whatever the waterlogged hot dog that lands in front of them says? No wonder you're successful. I mean, if you listen to Sun say, I'm weird, I wear cat sweaters and I have neuropathy in my foot. And I want to boss people around and I'm really rich and I need a man, like all that weird, quirky stuff. 
that makes her her. And I do love her as much as I'm ragging on her. Um, you know, her Gone with the Wind, like, act that's happening right now. I still... How do you hear all that and say, well, I'm a fan of letting the man lead? Lead me. Where? Okay. I mean, your job is really easy like that, isn't it? Like, I literally will just present you with someone who's breathing. And then your job is to say, whatever it is that you like. Arf! Arf! Yeah. Oh, Cersei. That was me, Cersei. That was... Okay, that was a bad idea. She doesn't know that that was a Coming to America reference. I'm a big boss. I never take a loss. Uh, another weird song. Very strange song. Um, okay, so we are at Gracias Madre. Oh, that's a cute name. <laughs> Gracias, mamisita. With Crystal and Rob and her foinest brother, Jeff. Mm. They both order Blanco Spicy No Salt. Crystal looks stunning, as usual. I think it's just important sometimes to admire the, the harmony that is her facial features. She's a beautiful woman. Um, so we have a segment about Jeff, who's obviously, obviously going to be, you know, more involved this season. And I love it because I think that Crystal does best with people she knows aren't going to hmm, harass her, undermine her, sabotage her, twist her words override her boundaries, make fun of her eating disorder. Um, yeah, things like that. So I think it's great. I think she will come into her like full power when she has more Rob and more Jeff like supporting her. Um, anyway, Jeff has been a pop star since he was 20. He's the Justin Bieber of China. This was a story. Three years ago, Jeff was engaged. He came home and his fiance couldn't, meaning he was in China with his fiance and then coronavirus happened coronavirus where they were imprisoning people and just ripping them from their families and then crystal says yeah i think that has something to do with why they they didn't work oh you do you think that leaving your fiance in a global pandemic um, in the country that's where the pandemic had the first outbreak is it might cause friction in the relationship. Do you think so? You think like, you know, being that your fiance is that you're about to make some promises that involve something about like, I don't know, sicknesses and death and stuff. Just going to show that when the worst thing that happens that could happen happens, you will leave them in another country. Okay, cool. Great. Makes sense. Um, Jeff wants to get married. He needs a matchmaker. This is a lot of storyline for Jeff. I mean, I'm glad he's putting it all out there, but are we going to watch him go to the matchmaker too? <laughs> like that's, that's a lot of full party involvement, third party involvement. Um, there is a funny confessional with Crystal and Rob and Jeff. So again, like, this is going to be Crystal's, you know, she's going to be fortified by her family men. And I think that's fine. That's fine with me. Um, and Jeff asks Crystal, uh, would you mind marrying, if I married someone 20 years younger? And Rob grimaced like, ooh, which I thought was just good nature that he actually could be like, ooh, yep, I'm, I was a little sketchy too. But I, I do think it's nice. And I think that seeing Crystal with, with people who I think that the producers know what they're doing. And similar, similarly to how they knew there would be 
exquisite mess in bringing Linda, um, Monica's mom, onto RHO SLC so that we could watch the the like one act play in the diner and just someone go through like all the um, check marks in a, for a, a narcissistic sociopath diagnostic test. That's riveting and. I don't think this is meant to be as spicy, but I just think they were like, huh, let's kind of bolster Crystal's character with family. Let's see how she is when she's around people who aren't, um, you know, constantly telling her to open up and change and respect her the way she is. Okay, so now Kyle pulls up to Dorit's house in a $165,000 Range Rover. Again, so glad they're bringing back the the title cards with prices. That's part of the reason we used to watch them. I really had no idea how much a Range Rover costs. I don't think about cars. This is the first, this is the most I'm ever thinking about a car um, since I've moved to LA and it's, it's a whole new world. Like, wow, there's like all these things you have to do to it. Okay. Um, so Dorit uh, thinks that we're going to lunch. Pikai says, but I want you to pick her up and take her to the iconic Beverly Wilshire hotel. To recreate Pretty Woman. I was dead that he called the the hotel iconic to to Kyle, who's mayor of in this town. Um, it was just so for the cameras, like, I have to announce the significance of this hotel to the audience. So they will know I am recreating a movie in which my wife will play a prostitute. Okay, so Kyle, you know, rightfully so, says... I don't know what PK is trying to say by putting Dury in the Julia Roberts role as a sex worker. <laughs> so they're in the car and Dorit says, the other day I wanted to call you because I feel like something's going on with you. And Kyle says, you do? Bitch. Really? Dee says, it feels like there's this heaviness. How are things with you and Mo?" He's really stressed with work. And I think because in the past year, you know, we've been having, you know, whatever, Kyle, I don't know, something with vocal fry. Um, So basically, Dorit is a little bit, she's a little bit suspicious because she's, she and PK used to go on vacations with Kyle and Mauricio. And they just haven't really been seeing much of them. And they kind of, she just knows something's up. And... It's so funny the way Dorit phrases it. She says, have you been having any thoughts about you and Mo not ending up together? I actually like that. I think that's sweet. It's like, yeah, you were, you didn't end up, what is, do I think it's sweet? I don't know. I think there might be something nice about, what I just generally think we need to find more positive ways to talk about relationships that lasted a really long time and not talk about them like it's a failure if it doesn't last forever. So that's my soapbox. Um, <laughs> Doreen says, even from Instagram, it feels like you're spending a lot of time away from each other. And then Kyle's like, I just feel like I need a little freedom, a little space, a little tattoos. And Doreen's mouth is just open. She's like, like sp- specifically a why from your husband. I think just away from everything. I feel like there's something you're not telling me. Confessional. <gasps> I feel like whatever Kyle is saying isn't the way she feels, but I feel like I have to respect their boundary, even though it's not true. So then they go on to the Wilshire, and this is my favorite thing. 
this is one of my favorite things. We we will launch into this whole like spiral that that Dorit goes down about being surprised. And I I'm in and I'm out. I'm in and I'm out. I think I get it. Then I don't get it. I don't quite understand. I know that some people hate surprises, but I guess I just if someone is like doing a thing for me, I assume that it's going to be good or like at least it's something I didn't know was happening that'll just be, you know, added something nice to my day. I just can't think of that many things that would surprise me that would make put me in a position to perform. So that's why I don't really I don't really get the fear. But I guess, you know, not everyone's an extrovert. I guess like, yeah, a surprise party could be anxiety provoking if you don't want to talk to people, whatever. She like melts down and it's fascinating. So now we have a sweet scene um, with Sutton and Garcelle and you really get to see their friendship and their bond and they bond over talking about Garcelle's um, nice twin and her, her little Jekyll and Hyde pair. And she said that, um, which one is it? Is it Jax? Yeah, Jax just thinks I'm doing it all wrong. I was struggling and I didn't see it. I thought he was just being a brat. Yes, he was just being a brat. Because he was just being a brat. Oh, he asked to live. Sutton, thank you. Sutton says, teenage boys are assholes. Like, thank you. Um, but he wants to live with his dad. Um, and Garcelle does say, I feel like he was coming from a place of punishing me and like seeing what he could get away with. Yes, ding, ding, ding. Hold on to those thoughts. You know, you're so close. You're so close to not being completely manipulated by your little Dexter's lab. Okay. It's just, he gonna be fine. Leave him alone. Um, and, but Sutton says explicitly, you know, this is, the ladies don't know why we're such good friends. We're these single moms that deal with husbands that are heavily, heavily involved in our lives. Again, the idea of anyone scrutinizing why their friends is comical because, you know, we can play ring around the rosy pocket full of posies with all the, you know, it's your turn to be in the hot seat and for us to break you down, da, 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 da. But they did it to Garcelle. They do it to each other over different stuff. It's just with the two, you know, minorities that kind of got... And racial things were involved but like you don't take the time to understand them but then you want to know why they're so close friends with each other and, and you don't get it it's, it's just kind of funny like I don't think their friendship is weird I've never thought their friendship was weird um in fact it's one of the more authentic friendships I ever see on these kind of shows like they are not really trying to tear each other down they really seem like they do hang out off camera off camera now we're back at the iconic Beverly Wilshire and Kyle goes up to the desk. She gets her keys from the, not the concierge, the, um, the front desk. That's not the concierge. And then they go upstairs to the suite and Dorita's losing her shit. Why would you tell me what's going on? Why didn't you order the presidential suite? And then Kyle in literally the most low energy, lackadaisical, just oozing with scorn. She says, isn't this giving any vibes from any movies? I mean, there is a way to sell something, even if you don't believe in it. I And I do believe that's often what one might call acting, which is what um, Kyle professes to do. The, no, I, I don't actually know whether she can act or not. I, the thing I do know is she is being really hateful. And it's actually this kind of passive aggressive streak she has that I enjoy more. I would enjoy her being spiteful and passive aggressive more and just owning it and not crying later 
and acting like she doesn't understand why people have been rubbed the wrong way because she is clearly just like, I hate my husband. I hate your husband. This surprise is stupid. And I'm not really going to get you excited. Like there would be a way to, to calm Dorit down, to really sell this more. And she's not doing it. And it's really funny. Um, so then Dorit finally says, well, she doesn't recognize that she's like, no, it doesn't remind me of any movies. And then she reads the card for the anniversary from PK. And she says, wait, in Pretty Woman, he said, I'll take the liberty of ordering everything on the menu. PK, you have a measly plate of fruit. I have to pour my own water. I have to lay my own fruit. No one is telling me anything. Where are my kids? I need air. I want to know what's going on with the kids. I want to know what I'm doing. I left my kids and I told them I was coming back. What? Okay, so anxiety isn't rational. So first I was like, oh, wow, you really do have PTSD. This is intense. Um, and it's also just more hands-on childcare than I'm used to seeing from any of these uh, people, except for maybe Kyle. But I I don't, I remember, Dorit used to have like two nannies at home with the kids. I didn't think she was like the main one running their daily lives. Um, but yeah, I mean, she was genuinely upset. Like the producer had to come out and talk to her and they showed they broke the fourth wall and she's like where are my kids what's going on and the producer's like all these things you can ask Kyle and it was just so funny to watch another another person not helping with the surprise like the producer could have said I think there's gonna be something really great that happens like why don't you calm down like everything's they could she the producer could say everything's taken care of your kids are okay how about your kids are okay if someone asks you about kids but no, it's real, you know, reality TV reckoning. That's why we need a reckoning. That's why Bethany Frank is going to save the day. So let's see. Then um, Kyle calls PK. And just as I've alluded to, she's like openly laughing at how badly the surprise is going on. And then there's a, there's a PK and Dorit confessional. And Pikai is on to Kyle. He's on to her. He, he says, Kyle actually enjoys when something goes wrong for me. But the question is, would Maurizio ever do anything like this for her? Well, that's not going to age well. But also, um, Mr. Foot and Mouth, I'm going to tell you what I was triggered by here. Translating people's names to whatever you want is such a colonizer thing to do. His name is Mauricio. You don't get to pick another romance language derivation. You don't get to. His name is Mauricio. It's not Maurizio. What are you doing? Like, wh who puts like T and Z's in the middle of someone's name that wasn't there? Sweet moment. Dorit is on the phone with her kids and they say, Mama, we're involved. We know everything and you need to stop stressing. That's really sweet. I don't know. Was that Jagger? I did love that storyline of Jagger. You know, his speech came slowly and he had to wear that little helmet to reshape his skull. That was the first time I'd ever seen any of those. And uh, now he's just such a like little, he's a little nice boy and he's, he speaks okay and everything worked out. It was very sweet. So then Dorit's stylist comes in with the whole glam team with a rack of red dresses. And then... Dorit's response to this is, okay, uh, the thing is, I'm a designer and a stylist. Are you a stylist? Not like, a, who do you style? I mean, and you style yourself? You style uh, the Buca de Pepe restaurant with some lemons, like lemons that I saw on 
you know, Timu Backsplash. They're selling peel and stick lemon, like tile backsplash stuff. Um, it was so crazy. And she said, do you have my Beverly Beach bronzer? It will look way better if I'm bronzed. Um, what's, she was holding up a dress with cutouts, but like, what is inherently wrong with the color that you are? I don't, I, I'm not ignorant to tanning. I, I tan, look, those of us with melanin, we tan the fastest of everybody. I know you can look like, it can like hide varicose veins. Tans can do a lot, but just to just only hold up one dress and be like, I need to be bronze as if like your skin is just like never presentable in any other condition. I just thought it was like intense. And then uh, the person was like, no, we don't. I don't carry, you know, the samples of your product line that you've never mentioned before. I've never knew that Beverly Beach had skin products until this month. So Dorit explains that her and Pikai have a history of surprising each other. And then they do a montage, which... You know, the biggest surprise for me was that I forgot that, like, you know that Dorit has a new face. And I do remember when the new face came because I, I actually didn't recognize her at all. And I think a lot of people were looking at pictures and were like, who is that? But it's it's just a completely different face. So um, it's 2016. Um, they do reveals of the gifts and the anniversary presents and the, you know. And I hadn't thought about those in a while. Those lavish parties they would throw for hundreds of people, you know, to intimately celebrate their love for each other. Boy George. Lots of Boy George. Hadn't thought about that in a minute. Um, so Dorit comes down the stairs in a red dress and gloves, and she looks beautiful. She's a beautiful lady. And PK says, I wanted to get this pretty woman thing because you are a pretty woman. Don't get too excited because this is on loan. And then he snaps on a $5 million necklace. And that's how I know I'm not, I'm not as materialistic as, I'm not in a, in a, like, I'm not saying I'm better than them. I just don't get the, like, is it, if I can't keep it, I don't want it. Why am I, why would I, I'm not just like, oh my God, I'm going to touch jewels. Oh my God, I'm going to drape my neck in these, in these pieces of stone that someone died when a mine collapsed over them for, yes, I don't care. You know, I don't care. I don't, I'm like, oh my God, especially for someone who, you know, gets robbed every other day. Someone go probably come in and and steal her rental off her neck. It doesn't sound safe to me. Um, so they go into a suite with beautiful roses on display. Let me say that the Beverly Wilshire decor is really plain to me. So again, I guess this is just a historic hotel because it's not, it's not the cutest hotel that I've seen, um, but there's a beautiful rose. Like there's, you know, like the uh, when you have a wire, like when you have a frame or an archway and the roses are winding up, you know, Dorit, I'm sure would have done it differently. It was giving a little bit. We're going to take our prom pictures. Um, so I'm sure that was another point off in her mind. But then this really pitchy woman starts singing. Take my bro. And PK says, that's Berlin, you know. Who is Berlin? Hmm? Shadily, the uh, caption said, from Top Gun. So the song is not from Pretty Woman. And P 
he kind of does say something about wouldn't be cool to combine all these movie songs together, which means he's kind of aware that this doesn't make sense with the theme. And he just wanted to show another group off that he manages or something. If, if people still let him do that. So Dee is at the table in her dress. And again, she is very dogged about this storyline to talk about how hard things are. I'm not sure if it's quite necessary to do every three minutes. You could just kind of show us instead of tell us. You know, that's what they say in acting class. But she says, you know, I was just thinking, Pikai, it's been such a difficult year and this is so much better. And then he's, he says, you know, you know, what? I think I'm not going to do surprises anymore. I love surprises. Okay, well, that was very defensive right off the bat, but he's wounded, I guess. Dorit says, it's not that I don't love surprises. You know what a detail-oriented person I am. PK says, that's control. You know, you think this, this <laughs> just happens. There's a lot of effort that goes into dressing a certain way, looking a certain way. Where are we going? Now I'm now this is where I start to get lost cuz I thought I thought she was anxious because she didn't know where her kids are. She's feeling like she just doesn't want to leave the house and she wants to stick to, you know, things that she knows because she's scared. And now you over here taking a jagged edge left to I don't like the dress that you brought me and there were like a bunch of them like 12 um and PK says babe did not the glam team walk in all in a row with the dresses and Dorit says they were like stuck in the doorway okay so that's a really petty strange thing to say <laughs> did <laughs> did it cancel out their arrival and if you get stuck in the doorway you don't exist like what um, and then Pikai says, I lined it all up. And she says, not really. Okay, you don't have to do this to him. You don't have to do, like, I, I don't like him, but you don't have to do this. And then, you know, in her confessional, she says, I don't like anyone deciding what I wear. And Pikai says, well, that's control. And then Dorit says, you know that I have anxieties. I'm not my best yet. Okay. A lot of things are being conflated. I just don't think it's the best uh, communication. Let me say that. I don't think it's the best communication of your feelings and the thing you're going through to vacillate from I don't like a dress to I feel scared I'm going to die and someone's going to break in and take my kids. Like that's orders of different orders of magnitude, I would say. And then finally we get to the meat of it, which I guess as I'm like reading my notes back, I kind of think that maybe, maybe Dorita's just picking things apart because she's angry at him. I don't think this is really about the way she looks, although I'm sure she has opinion. I'm not saying like if someone surprises, you don't have opinions. I could very well be like this whole row, this whole thing of dresses is tacky, but it's like, come on, you know, you dress, you guys dress up in costumes sometimes. It's just, I don't, I don't see how that would be taken so intensely as a reflection of yourself. Um, so anyway, well she, she says, you know, I'm not, I'm not all the way better yet. And he says, but you will be, you know, I, I definitely struggle to understand the PTSD thing. 
and not not understanding how you're feeling or what you're doing that pissed me off just i don't like when people you don't always have to understand something to relate to it like he wasn't in the same situations as she was so why would you deeply feel the exact same reaction to it i don't know and i hope he doesn't say anything later about like being british and how it doesn't you know you you don't process your emotions and it's just stiff upper lip where he comes from because I will take I will take a meat pie and shove it in my eye. I, I don't I don't want I don't want to talk about like how I don't have to understand your feeling because I'm British. Let's not do that. Um and then Dorita and Confessional says something really, really important and something a lot of women kind of been going through and have, you know, been started to be tattooed lesbians about. Right now I don't need a big gesture. I need help with the kids, with the house, with work, with schedules. I need him. I need him to step in with the kids in the house and the work, and the schedules, but that's not his personality. So I'm going to have to help him help me and I may never get there. And then PK says, when life, you can't go backwards. People make decisions that they regret. We can get better. Why can't we get better? We can get better. Yeah, sounds like Dorit will be a lesbian soon. Okay, so then we are setting up a birthday party for Portia. Again, with this love bean nonsense. Mo, I love, love bean. Love, love. You are the love of my life. Hello, love of my life. Love, fire. Love, love, love. Angel music, baby. I, I don't what's what's he trying to prove right now and then kyle says you do that every time you see me and he says i'm joking i'm joking and kyle says i know but i know you she's like picking a fight with him over everything it's amazing it's really amazing and then he starts complaining about his day which i don't know i've moved past this and i hope most of you do too i no longer communicate with people and bond over how long my day was that's not interesting my day was so crazy my day has been crazy too (laughs) okay and her confessional kyle says it seems like he's just consumed with the agency and his big company and i think that he's poured his heart into the agency (laughs) it's the other woman okay girl tell us how you really feel tell us how you really feel all right, so all the daughters come to this party. Mauricio's parents come. Um, Portia comes down the stairs in full makeup and a crop top. What are you doing? Put your belly button away, young little miss. Oh, man, I remember when she was just like a toddler. Uh, so Estrella, Mauricio's mom, approaches Kyle on camera and says, everything is okay with you and Mauricio, right? And Kyle, in her nut roll that she is just going to get an Oscar for, after the Oscar for Halloween, she's like, why? Yeah, what do you, what's good? Yeah, I need her. Everything's great. Estrella says, every time I open Google, it was saying that you guys were separating, divorcing. It got to the point where I call Mauricio and I say, is everything okay? Generally, I don't believe these things, but it's too much. You know, same, Estrella, same. It literally, that's what happened to all of us. Generally, I ignore all of that stuff. And 
my future co-host actually had to really sit me down and be like, look, this is real this time. <sighs> this is really happening. <sighs> and I just, I just felt like, I can't, I can't. I'm sorry. No, it is, it is, it is actually sad. And so then this part is really weird to me. Kyle says, I was seen, I was seen without my wedding ring. And that's what's, people started the rumor. Okay. Like, you are aware if you, you know, you are a public figure, so you didn't wear your ring. You, you're probably aware that you saw some paparazzi. That makes sense. But then in the com- the confessional, it was very convoluted. Kyle says, I am just so taken aback. My mother-in-law is asking me this right now. Like, yes, me and Mo were having problems, but the picture of me without my wedding ring was one time. So why would people assume from that one time that I was just out, like, lifting weights? Huh? She's asking because there's a lot of stuff in the press and you guys are acting weird. And then, I don't know, if you always wear your your wedding ring and then you didn't, why wouldn't that? Whatever. Goodbye, Kyle. Um. So Mo, again, he's just doing this weird, like, oh, oh my God, I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed up. And Kyle says, me too. And then he says, Oh, we got to clean up all that mail. Ah, oh my God. Like that is not what I want to hear about right now. Like she gets really pissed and he starts talking about cleaning their converse. Their communication is fractured in a way that is very real and uncomfortable. I have to say then in, in a moment that was not at all transparent, Kyle brings up Farrah's tattoos, her daughter, so that she can discuss her own, obviously, and start talking about tattoos. And she said, oh, my God, Farrah, look at your tattoo. And then Farrah's like, oh, I'm testing it out. And she's like, unlike me. <laughs> Again, this tattoo thing, I'm not, well, I'm trying to, what religion is it that our tattoos are bad? All of them? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out why it's such a taboo in the first place. Um they're just acting like it's a, a, like Prince Albert. I don't know. It's just not, this is not interesting. So in a moment that made me question all of my birthday presents, um, little Miss Thang Thang got a $1,300 Cartier bracelet. And she's like, oh my God. Oh, thank you. <laughs> And I just, I don't know. It's like, I'm, I would never, I don't want to say I would ever be one of those parents that just tries to inflict hardship over their kids to teach them character because life is hard. Because I don't believe that. I'm like, the more time of your life you spend with it being hard, the harder it is. So if I make your life easy while you're with me, then at least you'll have an easy portion of your life to look back to. And that's, that was like well, how my dad was. He was like, I'm not, you guys, I, don't, you're gonna have to work the rest of your life. Don't, you don't have to work. But I never got a $1,300 bracelet. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that's her world, you know? That's the level of wealth that she has. And I guess, because all the arguments you could make, like, well, it's setting up a high standard for her to keep up with or something. I mean, that's the life she grew up in. And they have so many hundreds of millions. There's kind of no way... Unless they like go the way of Bernie Madoff or something, we find out it was all, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Then, I think they're set, and she will always have access to the type of funds that 
will make this type of jewelry mundane for her. So then Kyle, just in this like kind of impish, troublemaking thing she's going through, which I sort of love, she goes to her mother-in-law and says, I got to tell you something. I got tattoos. And her mother-in-law was like, I'm okay. I don't care. And then she also says, like, that Mo has a tattoo. And then she goes and tells Mo, I told your mom you have a tattoo. And he gets so pissed. He's like, what's wrong with you? That was my thing to tell. And then Kyle tries to kind of just walk it back. But then she also seems to be a little bit delighted that he's so angry and kind of letting the kids hear. And they're arguing at the front of the table. They're at the, at the front of the table. Like, he's like, I don't want to talk about this right now. And she's like, okay, oh my God, I'm sorry. I didn't know it would be a big deal. Very much giving how she um, baits her sisters, right? But I mean, it's extremely tense and extremely awkward. And even though, you know, I, Kyle annoys me because she's just such a, Huge fan of the patriarchy and basic and in this town and such a prov- provocateur. And her marriage, you know, she made it her personality. That was my main issue with it. But I, but despite all of that, they always seemed really happy together. And this was upsetting to watch. It's like mom and dad are fighting. So that's leaving that little awkward family saga alone. We see... Crystal packing up for Vegas. Um, her Lucy tells her the dress she's holding is ugly. It is ugly. And um, if you ask me, Lucy needs to keep that in check a little bit more. But she says it's fea, and I just think fea sounds much more rude than ugly. So I was living. Um, all the ladies go to private jet, and that's how they're getting to Las Vegas. Garcelle is wearing a 50 inch bust down and I will reserve judgment until I see the edges. Okay. She's wearing a hat. So I can't really see how this wig is laid on. I will reserve judgment. Uh, what is it like to celebrate your birthday with a bunch of people you don't like that much? I've never done that. Sometimes just moments like this, the, the reality of this being their job jumps out at me. Uh, they get Crystal a gift, which is a pretty crescent moon necklace that is $3,000. And you know what? Divided up by all of them, it's nothing. So then Erica stands up and announces, in honor of your 40th birthday, bitch. Uh, this is a funny haha because I guess we want to kill women 14 years younger than us and suck their blood. I don't even know how old... Um, Erica is. I think she's like only 10 years older or something. Anyway, in honor of your 40th birthday, bitch, I'm taking you to Magic Mike. Please wear pants if you want to get on stage and patch your puss. Um, Kyle, honestly, this was a very funny joke. She actually landed this. She said, I'm going to wear a skirt, but I don't want them to see my underwear, so I'm not going to wear any. <laughs> I was like, I have way to bury the lead. I didn't see where that was going. Good job. Oh, Sutton. Sutton on her just swinging on a star with a moonbeam in a a jar. Is uh, Channing Tatum going to be there? No, Sutton, he's not. Like, 
Are you, did you know that Indiana Jones isn't at the Indiana Jones ride at Disney World? Did you know that Oprah wasn't in the uh, Broadway musical, The Color Purple? No, Channing Tatum is not going to be there. Um, And so then they talk about, you know, they're just having fun. They're just doing their like private jet stuff. They find out that Crystal brought glam and nobody else did. Dorit didn't bring glam. I didn't know Dorit was capable of doing her makeup herself. Oh, that's another Kyle humble brag that like, I just really love doing my own makeup. I'm just like really good at it. I'm just humble. I have my net worth is $200 million and I'm really humble in this town. Um, oh, this hotel though. Okay. This is a, this is a effing hotel. That's what I love about Vegas. I told, I am tacky. Am I tacky? I'm tacky. I love Vegas. I don't like to gamble, but it's a hell of a town. Let me tell you what, if you like a hotel, some resort pools, you like dancing, you like to see some shows, you like to get dressed up, you like to go to buy some Swarovski jewelry at an outlet, it's for you. Go to Vegas. I love, I love it. The glitz, the glamour. Mm, yes. So this room was a 1500 square foot room with a pool inside and pillows with their names embroidered on them. It was fabulous. Sutton sent people ahead to hang up her clothes. Avi is seen in a clip in Vegas hanging up her clothes. I mean, what an amazing... I'm trying to think if this is extravagant or not. I mean, in some... I guess the show is your job. Looking good on camera becomes part of your job then. Is it... Do you not have time to hang up your clothes yourself? I'm just trying to figure out what I would do with $300,000 a month of alimony. Uh, but it's much classier than Ramona finding random people that don't know her. I mean, that's in nobody's. That's not in like any bellhops or anyone's job description. Ramona would like go in the kitchen, grab a chef. She'd go into the pool and, and get the water aerobics instructor. Like she literally thought anyone brown that she saw in the Vegas, she'd probably go get a guest from the next room. <laughs> And drag them in there. Just anyone brown. She's like, come hang up my clothes. Um, yeah, so I'm not I'm not too mad at that. Um, and then four hours later, they show a clip of Sutton losing her shit while Erica's on stage, you know, getting thrown around by magic mic dancers. I have no idea what's going on. I cannot wait. I love a meltdown. I love when Sutton has her mouth. Sutton, oh yeah, I'm, I totally am forgetting last season she had another one. They're honestly iconic, you know? As long as she's safe and I'm not wishing any like actual severe, you know, problems on her, but for the for our purposes, is Sutton completely melting down for no reason when no one knows what's going on? It's great. I can't, I can't lie. I love it. Um, so I'm really excited for next week, guys. Thank you so much for joining me and again thank you for coming back to cake and kombucha at long last i am doing my best to catch up with all these recaps so we will see what happens when you're listening to this i think both um episode two and episode three will probably be released at the same time and then we will work our way towards catching up and then adding miami in there and then adding new york legacy in there and i'm gonna just keep doing this like it's my full-time job but in order to do so, I need you to rate and review 
So I can just get like one sponsor in there and I'll, I'll make it something good. I'll make it something I would actually use. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great week. See you soon in my DMs. Cake and Kombucha is produced by Kalechi Azia. If you have a specific topic you want to discuss or you'd like to be a guest on the show, email me at cakeandkombucha at gmail.com or send me a DM on Instagram, which is also cake and kombucha.